Gettleman over the middle. Second and three. Down the field they go. Gronkowski has it at the two-yard line. It's the same play three times in a row. Edelman over the middle. Gronk on a seam. And the ball is perfectly thrown. Running it for the touchdown. Sony Michelle. His sixth touchdown in the postseason. Second and ten. Well, you know they're taking shots down the field now. Blitz to the end zone, and it's intercepted at the three-yard line. Gilmore jumps up and grabs it. What a game, and um, the support here tonight was like a home game. We could have been at Gillette Stadium, and uh, we can't thank you guys enough for the incredible support all year, and I know everyone back home is uh, going to have a nice late night tonight, and I think we might have a parade on Tuesday or something like that. So, uh, Tracy asked you, would you come back again? And you said yes. And for all of those fans out there, what will motivate you to come back? How will you reset and do it all over again? Look at this. Yay! How could this not motivate you? This is what it's all about. And um, to have this little girl here, this little boy, and my other boys around here, and for my boy right there. You call him. Uh, you my said, little brother. Yeah, you said you never had a little brother, but if you had yeah. one, it would be Julian Edelman. Guess what? He's the MVP. He deserves it. That was one of the best games he ever played. Yeah, so there we are. That is six-time Super Bowl winner Tom Brady in conversation with CBS's Jim Nance after the Patriots did what the Patriots do, 13 points to three against the Rams. We have the ringers John Gonzalez on the line. Evening, John. How are you? I'm good. So, Patriots uh, produced a defensive masterclass in Atlanta to beat the Rams 13-3. Uh, six Super Bowl titles, equaling the uh, Steelers' record. Tom Brady, a six Super Bowl ring, which is an outright record for a player. Bill Belichick becomes the oldest man to uh, coach a Super Bowl winning side and the most successful coach in the Super Bowl, obviously, as well. And it was the lowest uh, scoring Super Bowl of all time as well. So plenty of records being uh, broken here. So are, are people arguing today that this was actually a good game and trying to pretend that they really enjoyed it because they really appreciate the nuance of good defense? <laughs> Nobody outside of New England. I'd like on behalf of Americans everywhere uh, to apologize to our international community friends. That was brutal. Mm. The game was brutal. The outcome was brutal. The halftime show was brutal. Uh, you and I have talked about this on your program several times. Make it stop. Make the Patriots stop. Make Tom Brady stop. Make Bill Belichick stop. I want it all to go away, and yet it will not. Of all those things you listed off, I think Maroon 5, the most egregious. <laughs> it's, I mean, you're in Atlanta. Like You couldn't get Outkast to reunite and, and do that show. Uh, Maroon 5 was brutal. And also, Adam Levine's California tattoo on his stomach. I mean, who, who's asking for this? Why are we seeing it? It, it, was, it was a brutal game. Yeah. When did Adam Levine start to get ideas above his station? <laughs> yeah, just go away. Adam Levine, you can go with the Patriots and disappear. Thank you. Uh, so let's talk about this game. Uh, give us your analysis of things. Um, both defenses on top is the broad story. Why? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think we have talked about this before. Bill Belichick, uh, when given the proper amount of time to game plan for another team, can make life awfully difficult for their offense. And similarly, the Rams have really good defense. I think it was underrated. People perhaps didn't uh, remember or respect them enough. And that's what we saw in that game. But, you know, while the defenses were great, it made for a really awful watch. Mm. So both quarterbacks uh, struggled. I was watching on the BBC coverage over here. And certainly as we hit the fourth quarter, 
all the panel and the Beeb were agreed that one of the big issues for the Rams was that their defensive team had effectively played every minute of the game and ultimately fatigue came into it. Uh, was that a factor? How unusual is it for the defensive team to play every minute? Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think that that probably played into it. They had been on the field for much of the game and couldn't really get off of it. And I think like after a while that that gets to you and the, the Patriots sort of wore them down and ended up scoring the go-ahead points in the second half. And, you know, there's only so much you can reasonably ask any defense to do. And mm. I think eventually it just sort of wore on them. And is it, this, it is the same players generally that make up the defensive team across all games. It wasn't like they have a backup defensive team who plays some of the minutes of the game. It was just actually that uh, they were on the field defending for a huge part of the match. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think um, what happens with defense is invariably, like depending on whether or not it's a, a running situation or a passing situation, you'll cycle in perhaps more defensive backs, or if you want to load up in the box and try to stop the run, you might bring in some more linemen or some more linebackers. But uh, it's usually the same core guys that are getting the most minutes uh, and are on the field the longest, and okay. that's pretty much what happened with the Rams. We had the 33-year-old um, wonderkid, Sean McVay, obviously up against Belichick, the oldest uh, winning coach now. McVay has really come out and taken the blame for a lot of these issues. You know, he's talked about how he was outcoached. He's talked about being really disappointed that uh, he didn't get a feel for the flow of the game, he said. I didn't make adjustments as the game unfolded and give ourselves a chance to win. Uh, so really, you know, and, and on behalf of his uh, quarterback, uh, he's coming out and saying, look, that was my fault as well. Uh, so I don't know, is he, is he um, taking too much of the blame here, McVeigh, or is there a general consensus he was outcoached? I, I think he was outcoached, but this is, I think, a pretty typical reaction from Sean McVay, who tries to lead from out front. And part of it probably is, you know, look, they're going to be around for a while. He's young. The team is young. Jared Goff is young. And you probably don't want to put it on your throw it back in your quarterback's lap and say he didn't play well because he didn't play well. None mm -hmm. of their offensive players played well. So you take the heat on this one. You take the hit on this one. And hopefully, you know, they put it behind them and they're back at it again next year. This has been, um, I mean, not surprising, but again, a remarkable turnaround for the Patriots because there was a time uh, during the year where obviously they didn't have a great start of the season and then there was a case that all was not well in the family. Uh, Belichick, it seemed, had angered Brady, according to reports, by uh, stripping team access. Uh, furthermore, of uh, Alex Guerrero, who Brady obviously is right. uh, a disciple of at this stage almost. Um, he benched Malcolm Butler in the loss to the Eagles and... Uh, Brady and Gronkowski were acting out on social media at times and in March there was even talk that Brady would finish out his career elsewhere. So at that point it was looking like this whole thing, you know, a year ago was not so hot and, and suddenly here we are. And suddenly here we are. Yeah, I think uh, we had all looked for sort of cracks in the Patriots facade and it looked like this might be the, that season. They certainly weren't playing well. Against my better judgment, I lived in Boston for a while. I have friends in Boston. And they all thought, hey, this might be it. This might be when the Patriots don't make it back to the Super Bowl. Belichick and Brady go their separate ways. And instead, once more, you know, they figure out a way in the playoffs. Once they get into the playoffs, they're just they're just a different team. I mean, they sort of save their main guys during the regular season towards the end of it. Mm. And then once they get in, you know, Gronkowski looked better. Tom Brady looked better. They start playing well. Edelman, obviously, he's Super Bowl MVP. And uh, Bill Belichick is a great game planner, and here we are again. They're hosting another parade. How have they managed to do this, given that this is, you know, the most socialist of all uh, leagues? 
it's incredible. I don't know. The answer is, I mean, I, the short answer is obviously keeping Brady and Belichick yeah. together. But also they haven't ever really – where other organizations like, say, the Eagles, they're expected to pick up a $20 million option on Nick Foles, which I think like probably you know he's a good quarterback. Uh, he could be a starter or a backup. But that's the kind of decision that other teams make that the Patriots never do. They are, with the exception of uh, Tom Brady, very – uh, quick to just turn over their roster and bring in new guys and it's next man up and that whole mentality. And for whatever, for whatever reason, that's worked for them. And it makes them an outlier because for a lot of teams that doesn't work, but somehow the Patriots have figured out that formula. Mm. Uh, so the TV audience was down a little bit. Uh, the New Orleans crew actually, I mean, it's an amazing display of restraint that in the privacy of their own homes, they didn't say, well, okay, I know we're meant to be boycotting this game, but like flick it on, what difference will little old me make? Uh, it seems yeah. the New Orleans boycott has been one of the reasons why the uh, viewing figures were down. Good for New Orleans. I wish I had boycotted it. Uh, we'll never get those three and a half, four <laughs> hours back. It, it was a tough game, but uh, I think part of it is some Patriots fatigue, right? I mean, who wants to keep watching them over and over again? I know people in New England do, and good mm. for them. They're thrilled about that. But uh, after a while, we've seen this so many times that I wasn't really excited for the game. Uh, I, I live in Los Angeles. There were people here who were excited because of the Rams, but I'm not sure that the Rams really have uh, as big a following in Los Angeles as other teams, certainly like New Orleans and uh, Saints fans in New Orleans or Eagles fans in Philadelphia because they're only recently returned. So I think that was part of it, too. Mm. Uh, there is a, an interesting um, cultural difference with, I guess, American sports and certainly in the NFL, maybe more so than others when it comes to performance enhancing drugs, because Julian Edelman, MVP, uh, yeah. Tom Brady's little brother, uh, like, and had an astonishing game. And so often in Super Bowls and in tight games, he's Brady's go-to man and he does get them yeah. up the field. And I really liked him as a player uh, for such a long time, Edelman. You know, I love the way he uh, delivers in those big moments. So he missed the four games at the start of this season. Uh, he was serving a ban for performance-enhancing uh, drug, and he's denied taking anything, and we don't really know many of the details. They haven't really been disclosed. And so, you know, in baseball, if you test positive, you'll miss the postseason. That's uh, one of the issues. But in the NFL, it really doesn't seem to be a big deal at all. Certainly, fans don't seem to be too bothered by it, even in the match commentary. You know, it's, it's kind of referenced almost along the same lines as his injury. You know, he's overcome his drugs ban yeah. and his injury is almost <laughs> how it's described as if it was uh, an unfortunate thing which happened to him. Uh, like you consider, OK, look, Lance Armstrong is an extreme, but, you, you know, Marion Jones, you, like America gets sure. drugs cheats. Uh, what's the what's the deal with the NFL with all these guys? I think that uh, to your point about like how people react here in the States to this, there's just sort of like a. Maybe a resignation that a lot of these guys are using drugs and you, you're never surprised to hear it. Uh, back during like the, the 90s when, you know, um, there were a lot like Barry Bonds was hitting home runs at a prodigious pace and uh, he'd gotten bigger overnight. There was still some like with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, there's still some feeling that like, oh, these guys are, you know, just really good at baseball. And then we later found out, oh, of course they were using drugs. And now since then, I think that there's like a certain level of cynicism that Sure. Yeah. If you heard about basically any player, you just go, yeah, that sure. They're using drugs and that's not surprising. It seems to have been a bit of a talking point today. Like I saw a strong piece in USA Today and um, the opinion piece was talking about when baseball passed that rule I mentioned back in 2014. It did so because it didn't seem right to have players coming back and affecting a change in the postseason as a result of 
the decision that particular player made earlier in the year. In other words, you cheat, you pay the price. An actual one with ramifications for you and your teammates, not some slap in the wrist that everyone forgets as soon as it happens. That's the dirty secret of the NFL, though. It doesn't care about PEDs, at least not enough to make punishments tough enough to discourage their use because the game benefits from them. PEDs make players faster and stronger, allows players to recover faster and withstand the brutal pounding of a game that is the equivalent of a series of car wrecks. So, uh, you know, the, the um, unspoken truth really is that it makes the game better in some respects to have the best players on the field and they're all faster and stronger and they recover more quickly and hey that benefits everyone I suppose. Yeah I mean I, I think that there's a, a bottom line element to this that the NFL is big business it's a, a multi-billion dollar entity and you want your best players out there because it's going to make the product better and if the product is better the ratings are going to be higher the ratings are higher you make more money sell more jerseys that whole bit and you know the cynicism is tethered to that too. Mm. It's not just fans sort of shrugging. It's also the league kind of tacitly acknowledging that, yeah, we don't really care that much because ultimately what we do care about is the money. Mm. Uh, Tony Romo. So um, yeah. I presume everybody loves Tony Romo now, do they? Pretty much. I think you'd probably have to have a caveat in New York and Philadelphia because he still is a former cowboy, but it's hard not to like him. He's an excellent, excellent announcer. Yeah, I mean, geez, he really is. It's one of the thrills, I think, for him to tell you what's going to happen and then watch it happen. Um, I mean, yeah. uh, I was reading, I mean, look, there have been serious pieces done on Roma, really serious pieces, like, um, I don't know if the publication's to hand, but people have gone back and looked through the over 3,000 plays he's pre-called to see how many of them he got right, and it was a very impressive number. And, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, serious uh, writers are making the argument that in this age of mass uh, misinformation, where, as Barack Obama put it, you know, you can have a Nobel uh, prize-winning scientists uh, make an argument as to why climate change is happening and on your Facebook feed some idiot who's on the Koch brothers payroll his argument will look yeah. exactly the same you know and we just have so many uh, non-informed yeah. people making uh, arguments left right and center that that Tony Romo was a beacon of expertise <laughs> when the, the you know the gatekeepers to uh, stopping idiots having a platform are have all but disappeared Tony Romo is a, is a shining beacon and that's why people have warmed to him so much I mean this guy is provoking uh, Deep, deep analysis across American life. We, it would be great if then he takes that into, you know, uh, climate change, <laughs> uh, American politics. It would, be, it would be wonderful if he could affect the same sort of change. But for now, I guess we'll have to settle for uh, him forecasting plays in, in football games. But he's really good at it. And I think this is sort of what he was. I mean, he, he was obviously a very good and talented quarterback. But this second career, this second act for him is going to last for a, for a long time. I mean, Forever in America, you know, say John Madden was the main guy, right, mm. as a color analyst. And Tony Romo is super young, smart, doesn't have those same sort of like verbal ticks and quirks that Madden did. Uh, he's going to be around and at it for a long time. He might be the best ever when it's all done. Is that right? And so a few questions on that, John. Will the game pass Romo by in the short term? Like, will there be a point where Tony Romo is not, re is not recognizing the plays as well? Or is this the kind of thing that he will be able to do? for the next 10, 20, 30 years? Like, what's been the previous? Madden did it for a long time. Is there a sense that Romo can do it for a long time? Yeah, I think that there's a sense that he could do it for a long time. You're probably right that towards the end of his career, whenever that may be, the game might have passed him by by then. But he's young. He's just off of his playing career. He's very much in tune with players and coaches around the league and uh, terminology and strategy and the way that they're deploying players. And 
for the, at least the foreseeable future, he's going to be really good at this. Right, okay. So uh, Brady's going to go again next year. Belichick is going to go again next year. Um, <laughs> what do we think? I mean, the, the, favorites, the, the uh, Patriots just automatically go in as uh, favorites for next season? Uh, I mean, in, so it'll, the, the, I guess this year was a good example of when you looked at the playoff field and you thought, hey, it could be anybody's game this year. Anybody could win it. Mm. Unfortunately, the anybody was the Patriots. So, yes, they will be among a handful of favorites when we look at teams next year where we go, can't count them out again. Okay. Uh, John, pleasure having you with us. Thanks so much. I always enjoy it. Thanks for having me. Cheers. That's the ringers. John Gonzalez with us on the line. Off the ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108.